We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Kyle Porter. Kyle, we had a bit of a uh, Woj bombage breaking this this out this morning. My my timeline was just flooded with Woj bombs as uh, Chris Paul is traded from the Clippers to the Houston Rockets. Well, uh, yeah, just making the way for the new Chris Paul in L.A. Right? Does I mean should we just call him uh, JE three? Just give him the number three. <laughs> JE3? That doesn't have the same ring to it as CP3, does it? Well, I, I think that uh, – I think you and I were both – by the way, we talked about the Clippers more in the last two podcasts when we talked about Oklahoma State football. But um, <laughs> I think you and I were both surprised by Chris Paul getting traded because he could have signed for – what was it, 204 or $7 million or something? $205 million. And same, now, thing that, uh, same thing that Russell Westbrook can sign. It's called the Supermax. And now in Houston, he can only sign for only sign for what, 150, 148? Oh, something like that. I think, I think since it's a sign and trade with the Clippers, he basically gets, he doesn't quite get 205, but he gets a lot closer than the original oh. 150, 153. Since it's, the reason they're doing a sign and trade is, and the reason Paul told them to do it was he still gets paid and the Clippers also get something back for him as opposed to him just leaving. So it, it's a win for the Clippers and it's a win for Chris Paul. Gotcha. Well, it's still surprising just given the fact that Oh yeah. right now, well, beyond Chris Paul just getting traded, but uh, for a couple seconds there, Juwan Evans was the only point guard on the roster. Now they traded for uh, who Patrick Beverly. Did they get another point guard back or was it just Beverly? Just Beverly, I believe, and they also get you know a couple first round picks, I believe. So they could essentially they could draft a first round point guard next year, and that would put Jawan in jeopardy as well. But but don't you think that it at least signals to you that hey maybe Jawan Evans could uh, could get a little playing time in LA this year? Well, I already thought he was going to, but yeah. now um, you know obviously Patrick Beverly is a downgrade from Chris Paul. I like Patrick Beverly a lot. He's a very useful NBA player. His shooting's gotten really, really solid for a defensive player like he is. But, yeah, I would think this opens up a lot of uh, bench minutes for, for Jawan Evans, and he he probably was going to play anyway. I don't, I don't know how much it affects him, but I, I'm kind of bummed for him because, I think, as you and I talked about in the last podcast, like, it would have been great for him to just be under Chris Paul's wing. Now, you know, I had a, a Twitter follower – berate me saying when is chris paul ever taking anyone under their wing and i was like well you don't you're not at practice like just because you have no evidence that chris paul didn't take anyone like i i mean eric bledsoe played under him and got pretty good so it's unfortunate for Jawani won't get to learn from really his his uh mirror image his, his idol i guess yeah i mean i hope he soaked up that five days of of tu- uh, tutoring from from cp because it. It didn't last very long. Um, I, I don't even think they've met yet. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's not, like it's not like they're practicing right now. Yeah, that's true. Probably not. Um, so, yeah, that was that was pretty interesting, pretty surprising. Um, we are going to call uh, Kyle Boone, who covers recruiting uh, for PFB, in just a second. But first, I want to get your thoughts real quick, Carson, on uh, did you see Oklahoma State finalize their 2017-18 non-conference basketball schedule? I did. Who what, all's on it again? Remind yeah, me. I'll, I'll just run down it real quick. Pepperdine, Charlotte, ORU, A&M, Penn State, or Pitt. You get two of those three teams in Brooklyn. Uh, H- Houston Baptist, Austin P, Mississippi Valley, Wichita State, Florida State, 
there's a uh, in-house rivalry for you. Uh, Tulsa, Texas, Rio Grande Valley, and Arkansas. Going back to Brooklyn, Mike Boynton homecoming. Yeah, they throw a parade. It's a, <laughs> it's a tournament. Uh, November. I think it's one of those uh, ho- like Thanksgiving ish tournaments. Um, it's not obviously not the not the big one like they played in Maui, but um, yeah, I think it's a pretty good schedule. Yeah, I, I enjoy uh, running running it back with A and M. That's pretty fun. Uh, I like playing Pitt, although Pitt's kind of gone way down since jamie dixon and i guess they might not even play them depending on how it shakes out but no that's that's a good non-conference schedule you know it's college basketball is much different than college football just just play some name teams to get people excited in those early months you know so i, I like that yeah that, and that's what basically what boynton said in the uh in the press release like we want to you know we want to play teams to get ready for the big 12 um so yeah, I think it's pretty good. They've they've got two teams outside the Ken Palm top three hundred from last year, but one of them was Pepperdine, which I wouldn't have thought. So they're playing some they're playing some decent names, and all their games are at home except for the Brooklyn one. So Mike Boynton is not leaving uh, one of his homes for the first two months of the season. <laughs> That's pretty good. I mean, remember back in the day, it used to be hard to convince anyone to come to Stillwater. So yeah, it's good they're getting some name teams inside, and that really hurt. You know the. I think attendance in the non-conference was there was just a bunch of directional schools. So that, that ought to help get some, some butts and seats early on. <laughs> so to speak. Um, okay, let's call Boone. It's time for the Coop Works Guest of the Week. Coop Works brewing great-tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy cold Coop Works, and please remember to drink responsibly um when did we last talk to boone was it after after national signing day i believe so yeah recruiting yeah recruiting so sorry kevin durant and russell westbrook are both two to one to win next year they're both two to one to win what mvp kyle boone hey what's up what's up bro nothing uh, Carson, Can you guys hear me? Car- Carson's on here as well. What's up, Boone? What's going okay. on, man? Carson, Carson might be Carson might be making live bets on the 2018 NBA MVP. Sorry, I was composing a tweet about it, but yeah, I'm good now. <laughs> Who are you taking? I'll uh, give me Westbrook, two to one. Yeah, it's him and Durant. Ooh. I think Durant gets hurt by Steph, so I'm, give me like, Westbrook. Like physically assaulted. His MVP chances get hurt by. Gotcha. Steph, gotcha. That that'd um, be a pillow. That'd be a pillow fight between us two. You hate them so much. <laughs> I don't hate them. Let's, let's be honest. They're not like you know. They're not exactly known as tough guys. Is what I, my point was. Uh, you know, three rings between them though. No, yeah. I mean, they're awesome at basketball. Yes. Were Were either of you guys surprised by Westbrook winning the MVP? No. <laughs> no. I wasn't. Were you? Uh, n- no, no, I wasn't. I was surprised he got third place votes. Other than that, it wasn't very surprising. Uh, thought his speech was pretty good, but uh, we're not we're not here to talk to Boone about Russell Westbrook, are we? No, we, we're not. I, I, before we get into recruiting, Boone, I, I wanted to ask you about just your thoughts on the on the CP3 trade and what it means for Jawan. Uh, I don't know what it means yet. I guess. I mean, 
to me, um, you're shipping out your starting point guard, and you just you just drafted a, a basically a Chris Paul prototype. It seems like it would bode well for Jawan Evans's chances to at least make an impact as a rookie. Um, you, the Clippers have a weird situation; like they have so many guards, but they're like combo guards. They're like shooting guards who can who can dribble the ball. Which I mean, like, I guess I, I'm a combo guard too. I don't know, but like, I feel like that's. <laughs> Probably a good thing for Jawan Evans. I feel like you know that he's the most pure point guard on the team now, and I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll make an impact. I think this this is definitely a good thing for him. I would agree with that, uh, Kyle. Uh, you've been uh, all over the place with football and and, and basketball recruiting. I, I want to start with basketball. You know, we had Mike Boynton on the the podcast last week, and he said he was obsessed with recruiting, and uh, namely. The guy I'm fired up about is, I don't know if Oklahoma State's ever gotten a kid from Oak Hill to visit Stillwater, but this David McCormick kid, uh, what are you hearing about him, and what do you think Mike Boynton's chances are to land him? Uh, I I think the chances are good. I mean, just getting him for an unofficial visit this past week, I think, is a good sign. Um, It's a a weird situation because OSU is not typically – battling with you know schools like duke and kansas and and virginia on the recruiting trail but those are he hasn't listed a top five but i think that's probably like those those are his top schools right now it's duke and kansas and in virginia where he's at right now and and now oklahoma state um i think i think osu feels good about where they're at they just hired david contaxis who actually did not coach him he just has connections uh in the aau circles so I think that's a good sign. Um, I've talked to I talked to someone who said who thinks that they think OSU has a good chance as any to land him, but um, it sounds like he's not going to make a decision until this fall. And I don't know if that hurts or helps OSU's chances. I guess we'll kind of have to wait and see. But getting him for an unofficial visit is is a huge deal. And you're right, anyone from Oak Hill Academy is is a big deal. How how fired up should we be about? Boynton and his recruiting when the reality is that he hasn't truly landed anyone on his own. Zach Dawson's obviously in Stillwater and was, uh, we can probably say 80 or 90% due to him, but just as the head coach, he's not landed anyone. Do you, do you think that's, I know it's early, but do you think that, um, do you think it's a concern? Like just where are you at in terms of what you're thinking about that? Yeah, I'm not concerned yet. Um, you know, I guess he just took over the job a few months ago. So expecting him to immediately land five-star recruits is probably a little too high of expectations. But just the fact that he's in the conversation with some of these guys, you know, they're they're in the mix for a five-star point guard uh, in the class of 2018 and Javante Smart, uh, who's also considering Kentucky. So it, it is weird to see OSU battling against some of these blue bloods on the recruiting trail, but I think it's a good sign of maybe things to come. You can't really expect a new head coach who's never been a head coach uh, to take over a program and immediately start landing five stars over guys like, you know, Kentucky and Kansas and Duke and all that stuff. But um, he's definitely in the mix. And I think, um, I think that's a good sign for things to come. They have to start building new relationships uh, with some of these guys and that takes time, but I'm not worried about kind of where they're at right now. But I think, um, you know, I think, Chips will start to fall here in the, here in the fall, uh, especially with the basketball season coming up, and you know if the crowds fill in and they can get recruits on campus to kind of see what the atmosphere is like. 
uh, I think that's a good thing. So he's in the mix right now, and, and uh, you know, he's really not done anything other than recruit. So I think that's a good sign. Uh, you know, I think Boynton's going to have a lot of success recruiting. Is it a concern, Kyle, that Texas doesn't seem to be that big of an emphasis? It seems like he's more recruiting Florida, New York, the East Coast areas. Obviously, he'd be familiar with on his own, but we've all kind of talked about Texas kind of being a lifeblood for, for the recruiting and basketball. Is that a concern, or is it just a nature of the prospects that, that are available to this class? Yeah, it, it's it's partly that. I think it's part of the nature of the, you know, just the overall available players in this class. But I think it's also part of the staff makeup. They've got connections on the staff with a lot of people back south. Um, a lot of people, you know, in the Brooklyn area, obviously, Boynton's from Brooklyn. And uh, they've got a lot of ties in Florida and, and the AAU circuit specifically, Um so I think that's probably just it is what it is. You know, I obviously with uh, with Texas, I think that's probably more of an emphasis on football because the majority of OSU's football roster is kids from Texas. But I think I think uh, basketball is probably a little bit different, and I think uh, he's taking a kind of a unique approach to his recruiting, and they're going to recruit from all over, and he's already proven that. Yeah, I have mixed feelings on that, just because you you can get you know, you're once in a 10 years guy from Virginia or North Carolina or whatever, but can you get that guy every year? You know, I I know you only have to get one or two guys every year, but I don't know. It just seems, it seems just so much easier to do it in Texas. Um, He's certainly, he's certainly excited about it though. Like, and I, and I think like I, part of me loved his attitude about like, Hey, we're, like we don't we don't care who's getting these guys we're going to go after them and we're going to try to get them and then part of me was like is this going to be a gundy thing where he he had that attitude at the beginning and then he was like oh yeah that's that's not going to happen you know and like and like just go after the three star guys in in two or three years from now yeah i i kind of feel like um i i feel like all it takes is one with basketball you know you get a a five-star kid like david mccormick who's I guess technically like a high four-star kid, but um, maybe he won and done at OSU. He spends one season. He's, you know, a first-team All-Big 12 player. Uh, he, he has success immediately in the in the NBA, and then you you can sell that to recruits, you know what I mean? Like, so that could, that could help them kind of bridge the gap from recruiting in, in Virginia and Atlanta and all that stuff, and uh, it'd be a, a lot easier recruiting pitch to say, hey, we got this kid from Virginia – he was a four-star kid, you know, he's, he's having success in the NBA and uh, you could do the same and, you know, you're from Dallas or something like that. So I, I do think it, it may be a concern um, right now, but I think it's probably more of a, you know, they, they're recruiting where they're familiar right now and uh, they'll start to, I think, probably expand out in the local area more, more uh, I think, more often. Any commitments imminent, do you think, in basketball? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think if I was going to make a prediction, I think David McCormick commits to OSU. Wow. Um, but it sounds like Whoa. that won't happen for a while. I think it'll happen in the fall. So, um, but that's a long way down the road. A lot can change and recruits obviously change their mind just as much as anyone. So a I don't know right dude, now. A 6'10 basketball player who can walk and chew gum. That's, that's not, under, have, have yeah. one of those. that's not under 200 pounds. <laughs> right, <laughs> I didn't know those existed. Who, who's that? Carson? You might know this. Who's the highest 
rated recruit Oklahoma State's ever gotten? That might be a – I might – was it Smart? It's got to be Mark. got to be Marcus Smart, I think. Gerald, yeah, I think you're right. Gerald Green? Uh, Gerald Green was up there. I'd have to do some research on that. I love how we. I love how Oklahoma State people like claim Gerald Green, like he went there. It's like <laughs> uh, he committed there. <laughs> Go Celtics! <laughs> Didn't even make it to campus. Uh, okay, Kyle, you wrote on Tuesday about um, Mike Gundy doing some crudin, ranked 14th in the country right now, uh, albeit with like what the third third most total commits of in, in the 2018 class. Is that right? Yep. Um, do, give, give me okay. I'm gonna give you an over under. Uh, over under twenty five and a half. Does Oklahoma State end up under that, like closer towards the best class, or over that uh, in the twenty six through thirty five range, or whatever? Uh, let's see. I'd go over twenty five and a half. I think they finish outside the top twenty five. Such a, such a that's such a bummer. Just because of like where they're at right now, there's all this momentum. Alabama's fifty six, although they've got like four guys committed. But um, I don't know. It just seems like every guy they get is is a three star guy. Is do you? I mean, whoa, hang on. Are you guys ready for this? What? Uh, Gerald Green was the number one player in the country in two thousand five. There you go. Number one. Number one overall. Wow. Woo. Marcus was tenth. Marcus was tenth. Sean overall. Sutton. Sean Sutton doing some cruden. That's that's why people were like in mourning whenever he went to the NBA, dude. This guy was he's a generational athlete. Okay, sorry to interrupt. Can you imagine who was the Kyle, who's the number one basketball player last year? Porter? Michael Porter? Uh for for twenty eighteen? Yeah, Michael Porter is number one. Can you imagine Michael Porter coming into Stillwater and being the second most well accomplished porter to ever go through that school. <laughs> He's probably going to be the number one take next year. So yeah, that'd be pretty incredible. He might he might be the most accomplished. <laughs> what, what happens when Kyle Porter? The, what happens when Kyle Porter, the running back at Texas, wins the Heisman this year? <laughs> That's my question. It's going to be awesome. As long as Oklahoma State beats them, it'll be great. Um, now my question is: do, do we ever get out this? I feel like I ask this question every month, but does Oklahoma State ever get out of this cycle of just getting three-star guys in football? Nah, I don't think so. I think they're just stuck in a rut. Give me me a different answer. I I mean, you look at, like, where they're at right now. They have the third most commitments in the class. They're a top 15 class right now. But, you know, I, like as far as Alabama being like way down the line, they're down the line because they've only got five, but all five are like, you know, four star or above. And OSU is just outpacing them by, you know, it's, it's quantity over quality. And I hate to say that because you don't want to say like, you know, one kid is better than another kid. But when you look at like when you break it down by stars, like OSU only has an average of like 3.1 stars per, per recruit, whereas Alabama – you know, the, up to signing day, they're going to land four stars and five stars, and their average over time is just going to, you know, compile and compile, and they're going to be, like, one of the top five classes again. So I don't I don't think that's ever going to change. Like, you know, everyone's excited that OSU has the top 15 class right now, and it's better than UCLA, and on and on and on. But, like, I just, you know, it is what it is. They have a bunch of commitments, and they look really good right now, but it probably won't hold. 
What is what is wrong with you two? I thought we were going to come on here and <clears throat> sing Mike Gundy's praises, best class he's had in years, <laughs> and you guys are just poo-pooing it. What what's the matter with you? I just, I think it's a really good class. I mean, they got they've got two really good players in the class: C.J. Moore, the Tulsa Union receiver, and then yes. uh, Spencer Sanders, the the quarterback from Denton Ryan, who uh, he tore his ACL at the end of last summer, but he's a dual threat quarterback. He was very highly recruited, but committed to OSU early. And those two players alone, um, you know, they're, they make up probably the biggest part of the class, but they're going to fill a lot of needs. I just don't know, you know, quality-wise. And recruiting rankings is, is a lot of politics, too. So I think Gunny's just not going to play the politics. They don't, they don't send their kids to rivals camps and 247 camps and all that stuff. And I think that has a lot to do with it, too. But that's a whole other story. Yeah, that that is a whole other story. Um, I don't. Uh, oh, so Hayden Barber wrote this week about uh, safeties and kind of the influx of safe of safeties in Stillwater over the last uh, two years. So you had a bunch in the 2017 class, and you've got several more coming up in the 2018 class. Do you buy into the theory that? Um, Glenn Spencer and Mike Gundy like to recruit safeties and then kind of figure out where to put them, whether it's at cornerback or a linebacker, just, just basically recruit athletes and figure it out later on. Do you think that's a, do you think that's a valid thing that they're actively trying to do or did it, did it just kind of happen that way? Uh, I, th- I think it probably is more active. Um, like in this class alone, they've, they've recruited a few listed athletes like Jalen Nolan, uh, he's a quarterback from Texas, and he's going to play cornerback at OSU. Gabe Lemons, uh, he played a lot of receiver last year. He's listed as an athlete, but he's probably going to play cornerback at OSU. So I, I feel like they just try to recruit athletes, um, you know, to some of their skill positions. Like Raymond Richards was a was a quarterback in high school, and he played cornerback, and now he's going to play free safety, which is, you know, kind of terrifying to think about, but. They recruit a lot of safeties, guys who can cover space, and they're really athletic. And I guess they can just kind of plug and play as they as they need. But I think it's kind of a dangerous thing too, because you know Jalen Nolan hasn't played a lot of cornerback, and they're going to throw him into the fire, you know, at the at the Division One level. And some of these safeties that are coming in, maybe switching switching positions, and uh, you know that that takes a little bit of an adjustment. You can't just switch positions at the Division One level and not expect some drop off. Um, unless you're going to give them time to develop, which they, it seems like they're going to do, but, um, it's a, it's a little bit of a risk, but you know, Gundy likes his athletes. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing. There's a 100% chance Kyle Porter will call Gabe Lemons, Gabe Lindsay on accident on either a podcast (laughs) or written, write it in print. Probably not even on accident. Probably just call call him that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Real quick, Kyle, uh, when Josh Henson goes into the College Football Hall of Fame, do you think he'll have a have a Missouri visor on or an Oklahoma State visor? I was I was going to ask him about him too. But go ahead. <laughs> Probably OSU visor and then a Mizzou sweatshirt. <laughs> he does love his sweatshirts. Yeah. They've got a they've got a they got a basketball team coming in on the offensive line. It's unbelievable. Yeah, they've got five really big dudes that are coming in. All high school commits, which is which is huge, um, and that was that was what Greg Adkins couldn't quite get at OSU was 
you know, landing high school guys who could come in and develop in the program. He, he was able to get some junior college guys who could kind of stop gap and, you know, Shane Richards and guys like that are going to come in and, and compete, but they haven't really made a big impact. And I think that's what they're getting with Hinton. They're getting some, some dudes on the offensive line. All country boys too. I love it. It looks like they've been <laughs> lifting tractors in their spare time. But Oklahoma uh, boys. Yeah. They've been lifting uh, hay bales. I Same that. question. I, I I like my offensive linemen big and countrified. So uh, that's <laughs> that's that's good for me. Um, same question I had for basketball. What about football? Any uh, imminent commitments coming up anytime soon? Um, I don't think so. Um, football is so random and uh, it's a lot different than than basketball. But I I will say I think that that. Uh, OSU is probably going to be targeting uh, a running back soon. Um, I don't know who's going to be in the mix for that, but there's a there's a running back out of Texas, uh, Tazon Henry, who recently named his top three, TCU, Iowa State, and I don't know who the other one was, but I think OSU could jump in the mix there. He's, he set a commitment date. He had OSU in his top schools for, you know, months on end even though OSU didn't offer him a scholarship. But I think OSU is still interested. And, uh, you know, OSU's kind of missed on a few running backs uh, here recently, and maybe they'll jump in the mix at the last minute and try to get a commitment from him. But it is a little bit concerning that, you know, we're in we're in end of June right now and OSU doesn't have a commitment at running back. I think that could be a problem down the road. Yeah, I think I think for me it's running back, and I was looking at their, their depth chart at defensive tackle. And they don't; they're not very young there. They're pretty; they're pretty old. And uh, so th- those are the two I, th- I feel like they need to focus on. What I was going to ask you, Kyle: What's the most uh, like when these players release like their top ten or fourteen or whatever? What's the most you've seen? Has anybody ever released like a top forty? Oh, probably. <laughs> there was a uh, Anthony Hines, a, a linebacker, uh, last year. He ended up committing to A and M, but. He would announce like, you know, once a month or once every few weeks, just his total list of offers. And he's like, you know, blessed to have offer number 86 from Florida (laughs) International. You know, it's like, how do you even keep up with all this stuff? Like this guy definitely has a secretary, you know, like writing down all his offers. It's just ridiculous. Kids love the attention. They love the social media attention. They love getting followers on, on Twitter and all that stuff. Uh, recruiting is a total spectacle these days. They love the attention until we try to interview them, and then they go into hiding. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'm being ducked by a lot of recruits right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's unreal. Carson, what's, I don't know. What, what's the secret here? How do, we, how do we get these guys to talk to us? Man, I don't follow. I don't cover recruiting. <laughs> wake, wake me up when they make a play. <laughs> no offense, Boone. <laughs> but I do love when they commit. They write no interviews, please, as if you know they're just they're, they're Russell Westbrook. Bombarded. You know, the, the, me, yeah. the media is just hunting them down. You know. <laughs> but uh, Boone, I wanted to ask <laughs> Boone, what's your impressions of uh, of Lincoln Riley and the, and the job he's doing recruiting at Oklahoma? Seems like he's making waves already. Yeah. Um... He's recruiting really well. Uh, he's got a lot of uh, commitments. He's got a, a he flipped a defensive end, uh, Putnam City North kid from Texas to OU. Uh, he recently landed Tremonda Moore, the JUCO kid who signed with OSU uh, two years ago. Um, 
so he and he just landed a 2019 quarterback really high, highly rated kid um so i don't know he's, he's making a big splash and i think that's easy to do kind of when you assume a role at a at a place like ou i think that they already had a lot of momentum on their recruiting trail and um i think if ou had switched uh coaches just gone off the board and not hired internally i think they would have had some issues uh just making the transition seamless but you know, Lincoln Riley's been recruiting there. He's been basically their top recruiter there uh, since you joined, and you're seeing kind of what he can do at the helm, and it's kind of scary. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, I think that's that's all I got, Carson. Do you have anything else? Uh, I have one thing. Uh, I was going to play a clip, but go ahead. Do you have anything else? No, I'm, I'm good. I'm done. Well, I, I'm playing an ad right now. Hang on a second. This is This <laughs> is embarrassing. I mean, this is embarrassing. It's better than you going. I got nothing. I got nothing for you, Ben. Well, I. All right. All right. Here's one thing that uh, Lincoln Riley doesn't have. Thank God I'm a country boy. Oh my God. <laughs> he doesn't have them country boy linemen like Josh Henson. Yeah, all of his okay. are from okay. Dallas, and they weigh like 360 pounds. They look like Orlando Brown, don't they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, all of them. All right, Kyle Boone, you've been doing a great job with recruiting as always. Uh, how's CBS going? It's good. It's good. It's been crazy. Like um, March Madness ended. Uh, I went to Jamaica, Mon, and it was fun. And then I got back, and it's been like all NBA basically since then. So. I've jumped around a little bit in college hoops, done some golf stuff. U.S. Open. Uh, briefly. Yeah, I did some U.S. Open. That was fun. Um, so, yeah, I've just been kind of bouncing around as needed. It's been really busy, and free agency hits Friday at midnight, so I'm expecting the madness to come then, but, you know, it's a lot of fun. Uh, do you have a Ricky Fowler take? I'm sure Carson would like to hear that. I was actually wondering if he was, if he had his uh, Rory McIlroy p- – wins the British Open column already pinned. <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not as high on uh, Rory as some others are, but I can understand why some you know, like Kyle Porter at all. <laughs> Throwing some shade. No, I I like Rory though. I like Rory. I'm Rory, Rory, Rory has Rory has oh. more putters than uh, OSU has helmets oh my right God. now. <laughs> he can't I, I can putt better than Rory at this point right now, so I can't wait till he, love wins, to see it. till he wins his his fifth Ed Barkdale in a month, and he's got five before turning twenty nine. And I can't wait until Kyle Porter, not Boone, bursts through the the, the ropes <laughs> to embrace him when he does. <laughs> well, I won't be there, so that'll be difficult. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past you if okay. he's in contention on Sunday. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just fly over, just red eye to England on Saturday night. Um, yeah. Who do you think wins wins their major wins a major first? I know Rory's won a major, but do you think Rory or Ricky wins the next major first? Um, ooh, that's a good question. I'll say Rory. <laughs> oh, big surprise by Kyle! Shocker! <laughs> I, I'm going. I'm going Ricky. Ricky's actually been in contention. Is Ricky? Is Rory finished D seven at the Masters in like? <laughs> Like not just like a back door, it was like storm cellar back door. He like came up through the the, the dead, but with zero pressure on him at all. 
and Fowler finished like outside the top ten. I, yeah, it sounds dumb to say Rory because Ricky's obviously been playing really well and contended, but I mean Rory's going to be the favorite at the PGA, and I don't know. I could, I really could see Ricky winning the British Open though. That'd be fun. That'd be awesome. I'll pick, I'll pick Rory just for the record, just so Carson can dog on me later. All right. He'll probably have 10 putters by the next time we speak. But uh, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks coming on, Boone. Hey, we'll see you next week, Boone, in Stillwater. Yep. I'll see you then. Okay. Talk to you later. All right. See you guys. Bye. Oh, the PFB retreat. Yeah. Are you, uh, are you coming? When is it? Next weekend? Yeah. I have to work. Uh, you don't want to, do you have to work on Friday? Uh, yep. Yeah, we're gonna. I think we're gonna try to play golf on Friday. Well, I'm gonna try to work. Unfortunately, that's a bummer. Um, okay, we. Uh, what would you think? What What do you think was the most interesting thing that he said? That Kyle Ben said. Oh, I was kind of surprised how down on the football recruiting he was. You and him both. I mean, I thought. I thought Gundy kind of had it rolling a little bit. The mullet was flowing. His feet are up on his desk, and he's recruiting well, I thought. But you guys are just getting bored with three stars, I guess. No, he's recruiting fine. I just think that it's a little bit – it's a little um, disingenuous to look at where their class is right now and say, man, they're going to have a top 10 class or top 20 class even because even though they're ranked 14th, a lot of that is – is it's not based on average. It's based on total value that all of your players in that class are bringing. Well, they've signed the third most in the country, you know? And so you have to look at it in January or in, well, I guess this year in December when they have the early signing period to see where all those teams stack up. And I think you're only like, I, don't, I think this is the high watermark. I don't think they're going to improve and get into the top 10 or anything like that. But I mean, it is what it is. Like this is what Gundy does. He just recruits, top 30 or 35 classes and then wins 10 games every other year. Yeah. So you're saying it's more quantity at this point than actual quality. Yeah. Okay. I mean, also the other thing that stuck out was the McCormick kid from Oak Hill that he thinks OSU is going to get him. That's, that's huge. I mean, literally and figuratively that Mike Boyden is recruiting dudes from Oak Hill, which people don't know. That's where like a ton of NBA players went to prep school. So I wonder what do you Pierce, know? Here's Mike Boyden's making some waves. I wonder what he's ranked uh, nationally, like in terms of. Oh, let's see here. He is. Uh, it's between so two four seven says it's between Duke, Georgetown, and Oklahoma State, which is amazing. Uh, he's the number 48 player in the country, number two center, and number two player in the state of Virginia. Oh, my. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's a different level than uh, they've been recruiting lately. I mean, I guess Travis Travis Ford recruited some big-name guys. He just didn't fill out a roster, which we've been over way too many times. Yes. But, uh, yeah. But, no, that's exciting. That means Mike Boyden's, you know, he can get in on the, the top 100 kids, which I think he's going to have to do to be successful in the Big 12. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we got any? You got any uniform takes for me this week? Heck yeah! Okay. We got a little uh, taste of the basketball unis. Hold on, hold on. Let's get to. Oh yeah, we did. Let's get to this week's uniform review. Brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. 
Uh, we did get a little taste of the basketball uniforms. I forgot about this, but uh, Jeffrey Carroll uh, Snapchatted. I don't know if that's how you say that. Uh, his, uh, like, uh, some mock-ups, I presume, of the 2017-18 uh, basketball unis. I posted them on the site. What were your – there were three of them. It was black, white, and gray. What were your initial thoughts, Carson? Uh – didn't see a whole lot of cursive on there. That yeah. was a concern. I don't think we saw, obviously, every uniform at their disposal. It was just three, which th- we didn't have the, the popular teal one that, that Mike Boynton even said that recruits just have to wear when they come visit. But I was a little underwhelmed. That was kind of my initial take. I do kind of like the font, the uh, football font and the numbers. That That's appealing to me. I kind of like the, the symmetry there between the football and basketball teams. Because basically what they did with those terrible alarm clock numbers and, and script was – that was basically the football script. So uh, I, I kind of like that. Um, I could do without the, gi- the giant pistol Pete on the legs. Uh, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was generally underwhelmed is, is how I'd put it. How about you? Yeah, I didn't love them. I mean – Parts of them were great. I'm with you. I love the font. I love the numbers. Um, I I think that the the giant Pete on the side is it's okay. I don't hate it. It's not great. It's kind of like the giant Pete helmets in football. I don't hate them, but I'm not like in love with them. Um, the Paisley running down the side, I dislike. Out all the way out. <laughs> I just the, the, somebody said this. I can't remember who or where, um, but they said there's a way to do Paisley on like in print, like on like pattern wise, um, and that's not it. It just it it reminds me of the uh, the crazy helmets that they wore for the last couple of games of of 2016. Not good. Yeah, I I would agree with the Paisley like. I don't know why they're going there. Where, where do you I guess st- it's the bandana or whatever, but where do you stand? I, I, I like the concept. It just less is more. I think when it comes to that, see, do- I, I think, I think this is where Kyle, my, my affinity for the badge grows instead of the pistol Pete on the shorts. I think the badge would look awesome yeah. on the shorts. Yeah, you're right. I think it, I think you're right. I think it would. I where, think that would look awesome. Where do you stand on what you want? Obviously we both think the, having the Cowboys in cursive on the front is great, but in terms of other variations, where do you stand? Are, are you a, are you a big logo on the front guy? Do you like the school name? Do you like the nickname? Where, where, what do you want on the front of your Jersey? I want at home kind of very much. I've always preferred at home that you have uh, Cowboys on the front, whether that's the new font cursive, what have you. And on the roads, I prefer that they say Oklahoma state. Now, I don't like the current version where it says state real bigger than the tiny Oklahoma. I would want – remember the old Desmond Mason black era jerseys or the black jerseys in Desmond Mason's era where it said Oklahoma above the number and state below? That's how I prefer it. Like I hate yeah. the Thunder jerseys that have Oklahoma City all above the number. It needs to be Oklahoma above it and then city below. I think that's the way to go on the road jerseys. Mm. I, I, I'm not – I don't hate the brand necessarily. I know a lot of people don't like the logoed basketball jerseys. I don't hate it, but those are the two I prefer most. I don't. I don't hate the brand either. Chris Knox brought this up. We were discussing it as it relates to like West Virginia, Iowa. I think Iowa State does it maybe sometimes. Um, 
I, I, I don't, I don't hate it. Like, I, I think it's all right. Do you, is that an instance where the where the badge would look good, or or do you or does it have to be the OSU the big OSU? I think it almost has to be the brand. I think the the badge is a more accessory, I think, than an actual yeah primary logo. I, I think um, you're in right. my opinion. I'm into that. The badge on the side of the shorts, I think that that would be sharp. I, I'm into that. I like that. Maybe they're saving that for like the collar, kind of like football does, you know, at the point of the collar. But yeah. I would, I'd prefer to see the the badge instead of the pistol Pete. And maybe, maybe they had Carol leak this so they could read the comments on pistols firing <laughs> to get a get a gauge of what to do. Because because your boy Chris Knox was already like mocking them up, and I don't know how, how does he even do that. I don't know, but he made up some he's mock. A, he's a freak. Based on like these. Snapchat stills he created like the new basketball uniforms in graphic form, which so, were incredible. amazing. I think he took like the Nike prototype that they like the basically just the style that they use for across the board and just applied these gra- I don't, but I don't know how you do that. Like, I, I don't, can we can we have him post those to the blog so everyone else can see? Sounds yeah. like a post to me. Yeah, we should. Did he did he do just the white or did he do gray also? He's at your disposal. Have him, have him make <laughs> hell. Make him curse of cowboys. He's at my disposal. Draw it up. I think Chris Knox has a lot of stuff going on. Um, now that that was, uh, yeah, that was really cool. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I personally think that what Carol tweeted out or whatever he did. I, I'm so old. It's embarrassing. But whatever he was was produced it to the public uh, was was a mock up and wasn't necessarily a final design. At least I hope not. Um, it, seems it looks like, pretty official, though. Yeah, I know. If they if they roll out that alarm clock font again, as it's pictured on the black jersey, yeah, not good. I'm 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 gonna have some fire takes on the pod. <laughs> it's gonna be ugly. You might need a few bleeps, actually. <laughs> okay, well, hold that thought, and let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, uh, have, you, have you cooled off any? Are you, are you still getting heated? I'm good right now, but if I see Jeffrey Carroll walking out in alarm clock font, it's going to be a whole other matter. Uh, okay, uh, what all did we miss? Anything else that we need to... Uh... Yeah, Rory's backdoor sixty-four oh on Sunday. Gosh, are we really Do doing we, this? I think it's a. I think it's become a weekly segment. Do people care about our Rory Ricky takes? I mean, I've gotten several tweets over the weekend, but just about Rory. So I, apparently, people got to give the people what they want. Yeah, I mean, he shot a sixty-four, and he was negative strokes gained putting. He's not putting well. Yeah, I mean, but he, he's real good at shooting sixty-fours on Sunday when he's not in contention. Is my point. Why do you care that it's on Sunday? Because the pressure is completely off. And he's already out of it. And you get fired up by, as you already mentioned on this podcast, a top 10 at the Masters in which he was never in contention. You know, and, I, you, and, you support, and you use that to support his, 
candidacy at the next major. So I'm just I'm just trying to trying to talk you off that ledge. That's all. I I do think you make a really good point. There there needs to be a better stat for, um, like not all top tens are created equal. I totally agree with that. And so historically, when you're looking at at uh, let's say Justin Rose, you can say Justin Rose has three top tens at the U.S. Open. Well, what does that even mean? Like for two of them, was he like T41 going into Sunday and he just played well and, and never really could, could win the tournament. Now I think, I think overall, like a top 10 is still a top 10, but the difference is whether you're actually in contention to, to win the golf tournament. So I agree with you that not all top tens are created equal. And I wish there was a better way to parse that out. Yeah. Like that's my point. Totally. Like Ricky's top five at, um, the U S open, which is the top 10 is so much better. He was, he was in contention from Thursday and I'm not saying you have to lead, uh, one of the days even, but just to, to be on the near the at or near the leaderboard for the, for the tournament. That's when I'm, that's when I'm like, okay, if Rory's up there four days in a row and doesn't win, okay, I'm not going to say anything. It's just, I, I find it annoying when he and, and like Matt Kuchar at the masters this year, just got hot on Sunday and snuck into the top 10. Well, he didn't even, he didn't play that well all week. He just got hot on Sunday and the field kind of came back a little bit. And, well, okay. and you're right. They're, just, they're not all created equal. So, my point. so who had a better tournament at the masters, Ricky Fowler, who finished T 11 and played in the second to last group on Sunday or Rory who finished T seven and played in this 10th to last group on Sunday. Oh, Ricky. I mean, so, so, so Ricky actually had to, Ricky actually had to play with some pressure no, on listen, Sunday. Listen, Rory didn't. So Rory shot a better score at the Masters this year by three strokes or whatever, and you're telling me that Ricky had a better Masters. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, he ended up with a worse score, but Ricky also was, what, in second-to-last group? He had way more pressure than Rory. Rory went out way earlier when the I assume the, the greens weren't as firm. Yeah, I is mean, that, is that even a, is that even a thing, or is that is that are you buying that or no? I think it's interesting. I, I do think there's I some mean, pressure. Pressure is what golf's all about, and if you're in the second to last group, it's a lot harder to shoot well yeah, but, but, but than where Rory was teeing off. But we're basically just discounting whatever your final day's score is. You're just saying, well, final final day score doesn't really matter. No, and I'm just I'm just pointing that out because Rory's made a habit of that as of late. I'm not saying all top tens are just are are crap if you weren't at or near the leaderboard the whole tournament. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying Rory's done that for several majors now, where you you've brought it up in your articles where he, he finished top ten three last four years in the Masters when he never contended really. Well, I I think I think top tens a lot of time, and and this is true of Kuchar too, like. Top tens are often just like a, a measuring stick for like who's really good at golf over the course of four rounds and not necessarily who contended for the tournament that year, if that makes sense. No, I, I get it. And then and this is your <laughs> this is your forte. I'm not trying to act like I know more about golf than you. I just I like I like twisting the knife a little on Rory. Oh, I know. Talk. I know you do. Yeah, I mean, he is just a guy after all. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of just a guy, <laughs> when Brandon Whedon got drafted in 2011, uh, somebody called him just a guy. I can't remember who that was. It was somebody in the media. Uh, but Brandon Whedon, 
I wish I could find that post. Brandon Whedon, uh, is he going to start for the Texans this year? We we had a post yesterday. Uh, there's there's a little buzz about how he might he might start in Houston. Is that is that a r- real thing? Yeah, I must have missed that. They've got uh, they've got Deshaun. over Deshaun over Deshaun Watson. Oh. The fans are going to the fans won't riot if that happens. I I don't know. They've got the Savage Kid guy. I don't know if he's a kid, and Deshaun Watson. Um, I don't know. Can you believe Brandon Whedon's been in the league for six years, though? No, I can't. Makes me feel old. Yeah, I'm reading the story now. It's, it says Whedon's a seven-year NFL veteran. Yeah. Or I guess this was, this would be his seventh year. I guess. No, I think it'll be his sixth year. I think we miss. I think I've edited that poorly. Okay. Uh, I would have to guess that Deshaun Watson will will be the starter, but I, I hope Whedon is. I mean, hell, you and I are not. We are not uh, coy about our, our affinity for Brandon Whedon and what he did at Oklahoma State and just the, the dude, type of dude that he is. So I'll, I'll be pulling for him for sure. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Um, okay, Carson, I got to get going. You got anything else before we, uh, before we wrap things up? Uh, no, I'm good, man. When is the British Open? I got I to gotta get my pool teams in order. When is that? Do I have time? Uh, three weeks. Yeah, three oh, weeks. plenty of time. Okay. We got, you got Fourth of July plans? Uh, not, not really probably going to the pool a few days with the kids, uh, preparing to come up there for our PFB summit and, uh, yeah, should be, should be a fun couple of weeks. Start, we're starting, we're starting to enter that like, Hey, September's around the corner, you know, time of the year. So you're right. Big 12 media days are in, uh, what, three or four weeks. Yeah. It's the same week of the British open. So whatever that is. Yeah. And I, me and me and Matt a million are coming down to Dallas to uh i'm going down for big 12 media days he's down there for business and we'll play around a golf how many together strokes, with you. how many strokes are you guys gonna need per side uh, how many how often you've been playing can i play with five putters or no i'll allow it <laughs> uh, that's five strokes though <laughs> stroke a putter <laughs> no, that'll but be uh my my game was in great form until last weekend which will go unmentioned but <laughs> I'm going to have to have a few driving range sessions before then. (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. I played like Rory on Thursday. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) All right, dude. Have a good 4th of July. We'll we'll catch up next week. Okay, Carson. Talk to you later. Yeah.